You're listening to Queer Story. This is your history. The stories that they didn't tell you. My name is Oso, and I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm super excited for this podcast. I've been dreaming of it for a while. It all started back when I was trimming a lot of weed, listening to a lot of podcasts. (laughs) I'm sure many of you out there will be like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) I know who the audience is. It's us, baby. Uh, Yeah, this podcast is coming from a place within me of just wanting to know queer history, history of people that came before us that made it possible for this podcast to exist. Um, I've always been really interested in history and obviously it is extremely frustrating to learn in institutions, whether you're paying for them or not, uh, only certain sides, European descended sides, Western civilization sides, uh, you know, <laughs> the victors of different colonialist battles, Rand McNally. <laughs> people just choose what to tell other people. And I want to know about my people. So I got to thinking, let me just learn. I've been reading books like Out of the Past, Transgender History, uh, definitely online resources of other people's blogs uh, and historic websites, as well as Wikipedia, of course, some library books and other sources that each episode at the end will have a really awesome little book list for you to check out. It's been a really great project. Um, I want to hear from people, too. Uh If you have stories to share or you'd like to be one of the people at the end of the show that talks with me about the content, please hit me up. I'd love to have you on the show. Uh, So that's the format. We're going to talk a little bit about these subjects, these histories, these people, and listen to some music from that era and then have a dialogue. For today's episode, it's going to just be me. My stories. Queer stories. (laughs) So, today's episode, Queering the Word. First, before we dive into today's episode, I want to say thank you. Thank you to the elders and the elders who have gone on to be ancestors who have gotten us here to this point. Silvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson, the living elders, Miss Major, Kate Bornstein, all of you got us to this place. Your blood, your sweat, your tears, your pain, your joy, your fabulosity, your great outfits, and the words that came from your mouths. Thank you for everything. This is the trigger warning. We're going to talk about the word queer. We're going to talk about it respectfully, and we're going to like see how it's developed over the years. Right. According to the Online Entomology Dictionary, the word queer can be found as far back as 1500. It's an adjective from Scottish and perhaps early, originally Low German to describe something as strange, peculiar, eccentric, or oblique. 
There are origins that link its description from Old High German, the word Tour, spelled T-W-E-R-H, meaning oblique from the root Turkwe, T-E-R-K-W. I know this is kind of weird to spell it all out, but these words, how do you really know how they were said? (laughs) Turkwe meant to turn, twist, or wind. What's interesting is these two root words that connect to each other connects to the modern English word queer as well as the modern English word thwart. That deeply excites me. (laughs) Queer and thwart were made in the same gooey polywog goo of words. Anyway, that pleases me. It tickles me. So there was a point when queer was then known as a verb, and that started to be seen uh, in 1812 or 1790, actually, when it started to mean puzzle, ridicule, or cheat. It was an act to puzzle or ridicule or cheat, to queer something, to queer this uh, game of cards, etc. Um But where you would see it really colloquially is in 1846 in reference to the conversation of tradesmen and showmen that would peddle on the streets in the back streets. They would go a pitching, as it was as it was said, and they would select a place to do their their trades show Their I'm going to sell this potion. I'm going to sell these watches. I'm going to do this thing. Um. And when a cop would walk by, they would go, oh, I'm just uh, stretching out. Where did all these watches come from? Uh, Now you see me, now you don't. They would queer the pitch. That's what it was called, queering the pitch. They would turn it into something innocuous to take the heat off of them. Uh, They would spoil it, though which was spoiling their sale, essentially. So this came from The Circus Life and Circus Celebrities, a book by Thomas Frost, um, uh, 1875. So that's kind of interesting, that the word went from to twist or wind to thwart, wasn't, was connected, and then to confound the police. <laughs> Uh, I'm really enjoying this origin story so far. I hope that you are too. So this innocuous word that simply meant strange eventually became a slur against homosexuals. And this is all thanks to one overbearing father. So you may have heard of Oscar Wilde, the famous Irish poet, playwright, dandy, and all around sassy bitch. His influence was further reaching than the gay 1890s stage and prose sets. The meat of this queer story is within the gossip. As many of y'all may already know, Oscar Wilde had a young lover, Lord Alfred Douglas, or Bosey, as he was known to friends and family, and his dear old dandy daddy Oscar. Their relationship existed within a time when being homosexual was a crime punishable by imprisonment and hard labor. Yet, Oscar was a flamboyant, creative, able to use his eccentricities to divert attention away from the root cause of being his beautiful gayness, but to his creative spirit. 
Bozy, on the other hand, was reportedly reckless in his slutty endeavors and flamboyant escapades. Their relationship was historically tempestuous. Bozy was spoiled by Daddy Oscar, and they even visited gay brothels together. And this was at the request of Bozy. The villain in this queer story is Bozy's father. All right, dig this. The Marquis of Queensbury. 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 Are you kidding me? Queensbury was the one? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this fool was famous for refining the rules of boxing and being the one to fuck Oscar Wilde's life up forever. When Papa Douglas found out about his baby son and Oscar, he confronted the pair a number of times. The most notable being in June 1894, when he went to Oscar's house at 16 Tite Street without an appointment and made clear his feelings for the dandy. He was quoted as saying, I do not say that you are it, but you look it and pose at it, which is just as bad. And if I catch you and my son again in public restaurant, I will thrash you. To which Oscar responded, I don't know what the Queensbury rules are, but the Oscar Wilde rule is to shoot on sight. Okay. This dude went so far as to publicly post a note about how Oscar was a sodomite, to which Oscar sued him for libel. Well, babies, here's the thing. You might not want to sue someone for libel when you are very much sodomizing and being super gay with their son. As Queer Story shows, this did not turn out well for dear Oscar. Bozy's father was so unhinged by the thought of a gay sex scandal on the family name, as well as wanting to avoid conviction of libel, he went after Oscar. After a long, public, and very press-covered trial, Oscar was found guilty of sodomy and gross indecency, and sentenced to hard labor and imprisonment. I say all of this to share that. In 1894, the Marquis of Queensbury was the first person to use the term queer derogatorily on paper. He referred to Oscar and gay men in general as queer snobs. (laughs) I also love that. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Sure. Feel that way, Daddy. (laughs) He wrote this in a letter. This, of course, was devoured by the press that were following the the coverage of, of the trial and immediately exported to the American newspapers, who immediately used it derogatorily. In syndicate. (laughs) Yeah. The American press used it to highlight that homosexuality is abnormal and was it was specifically used against effeminate gay men so to describe the homosexual as an actual term for homosexual as opposed to invert or homosexual or what else sodomite obviously was one of them these are just off the top of my head at this point we can come up with a whole other list some other time But it was first recorded in 1922, which queered it, see what I did there, (laughs) from an adjective to a noun by 1935. So that's where it came from. 
when people started to glom on to trying to hurt gay people with a little tiny word. (laughs) It's very interesting. But we can see all kinds of reclamations, including some at this time. And though gay people of all delineations were forced into closets by this Western, very moralized, puritanical residue of the European conquest of the Turtle Island, North American continent, (laughs) there were many words used by psychiatrists, doctors in general, the general public to describe gay people. And that which they used to describe themselves to understand their own identities. Radcliffe Hall, the famous lesbian author of The Well of Loneliness, is actively identified as an invert. (laughs) This is reclamation. Sure, you're going to call me an invert? So I'm an invert. I like being an invert. Have you ever scissored before? It's amazing. (laughs) No, seriously, though. It's awesome. So... That's part of the, the, the history, the queer story of the word queer going from an innocuous word to describe weird things, eccentricities, to it being completely used to say, ugh, look at that person being themselves. Look at how they love other people. What a queer. <laughs> look how fabulous their cravat is. I'm so fearful and jealous. (laughs) That's what I imagine is going on in the heads of these, you know, Glorbidans, if you will, (laughs) who can't comprehend just uh, letting people be themselves. Anywho, so what do we do when we use it now? We're reclaiming it. These people... I mean, I, I've been on this planet for 31 years, and of course people have used the word queer as ammunition against me or people that I love. And honestly, when I was a kid and a young baby queer, I actively identified as a magenta dyke. <laughs> because people called me a dyke all the time. People called me a queer all the time. I've reclaimed it. I always have. And that's what we're doing now. So this began long before I discovered that in the 18, in 1980s by LGBT folks who were sick of words having power over them and who were in the midst of the, the, the pain and the reeling everything of the AIDS plague. Having salt thrown on the wound that you're just trying to cope with and heal is an extremely maddening experience. During protests at this time, protests against Reagan, protests against uh, the misinformation and ignoring of AIDS, um, ACT UP protests, uh, people would chant, we are here, we're queer, we won't live in fear. In 1990, Queer Nation was formed. A flyer was passed around at New York Gay Pride called Queer Read, Queers Read This. Here's an excerpt from it that's truncated. Ah, do we really have to use that word? It's trouble. Every gay person has his or her own take on it. For some, 
it means strange and eccentric and kind of mysterious. And for others, queer conjures up those awful memories of adolescent suffering. Well, yes, gay is great. It has its place. But when a lot of lesbians and gay men wake up in the morning, we feel angry and disgusted, not gay. So we've chosen to call ourselves queer, using queer as a way of reminding us of how we are perceived by the rest of the world. This is our power. I add that to this because this is our power. This is what queer nation was saying, where it reminds us of what we are to the people in the world. But that's what we are. We are different. We are eccentric. We are magical. We're the ones retaining the magic that nobody is allowed to take part in because of the grinding capitalist structure of industrialized, colonized, empirical, empirical, (laughs) this is where the weed comes in, (laughs) imperial society. So moving right along, around the same time as Queer Nation, there was Queer Core. And filmmaker Bruce LaBruce was developing a new queer cinema. This was all tied in together with the queer core movement. It was, it was a gay outcry to punk. It was born in the 1980s and exploded in the 90s. Um, the one band that I always was like really into is Pansy Division. But uh, yeah. <laughs> this can be seen as the avant-garde and unapologetic gay answer to the punk movement. That's what history says, right? Queer story. Queer core expressed the very discontent with society and anger and disgust, as the punks were stating. And also at that time, the word queer was being adopted as a personal identifier, particularly by queer people of color. It was their actual place inside a word and a description. And eventually began to take on a more politicized meaning. It became a movement. This movement of queerness, this queer movement, rejected causes that were viewed as assimilationist to a heteropatriarchal society, which looks like marriage or military exclusion inclusion in adopting other people, adoption. So, you know... It was a rejection of what we were supposed to be banned from in the first place. <laughs> Think about that. Here's some music by Lorena and the Bobbins. Yeah. 
You're listening to Queer Story Podcast. That was Lorena and the Bobbits. We're queer. Classic. Now, back to the podcast. This is the part of the show where um, I talk about my relationship with the word queer. <laughs> um, as we are the stories that make up queer story and history, I, uh, I'm here to share mine. <laughs> When I was seven years old, I learned a new word. During that time in my life, I was learning a lot of new words. The Christian school I attended was pumping many new and appropriate words into our supple young minds weekly. However, this particular word jumped into my body with real movement and instant familiarity. As a kid, I highly identified with being weird, modeling myself after Gonzo from The Muppets. I'm adopted, and his story of mysterious beginnings, while looking different from everyone he knows, mirrored mine. Despite being haunted by the space it put between myself and my family, I enjoyed the weird world that swirled inside of me. Shit, I enjoyed the space it put between myself and the boring world of Christianity. It made me feel special, though I didn't know why I should be special. Sure, some moms tell us we're special or bright, or whatever else to help with our budding self-esteem. But something about my weirdness gave me the gift of being set apart from everyone else. I loved being weird. It meant that the world playing around in my, inside my head would only enhance the world I was discovering around me. It meant that my thoughts being weird were valid and real. It also meant that my shenanigans had legitimate justification. An experience I had. Ew, why is that kid peeling a grape and pouring Kool-Aid all over it and pretending their eyes popped out? Oh, why are they eating it? My mother. Why do you have to shred the skirt of your uniform? You know you have to share it with your sister. Myself. Why am I always drawing pictures of Catherine and can't seem to keep my mind off her symmetrical freckles? Why am I sure I am a boy and Everyone insists I'm a girl. You're just weird, kid. Then I learned a new, wonderful, powerful word. This word tasted good in my mouth. Upon learning it, my young mind had no conception of the connotations it carried. I just plain old liked it. Queer. The day I learned it was like any other day at school. I recall being in class doing one of my many boredom-busting class-acceptable activities scanning the vocabulary pages in the back of my books for words of interest. Usually words like rectum and areola. I also found studying the Holy Bible was only interesting when seeking these scandalous stories about tits and ass. The day I found the word queer, I remember feeling joy. I needed a word for my weirdness, and this word was perfect. Later, after school, I was eager to announce my new joy, clutching my cup of goldfish crackers, I sang out, I'm queer, to which the older kids laughed and muttered the long list of derogatory associations to the word and to this young gay claiming it. And then a lovely thing happened. A girl named Jessica Prescott, you don't forget a kid like this one, put her arm around me and defiantly stated to the jeering masses, you can be queer if you want to. I had no idea what the act of solidarity this other kid offered me. I just thanked her, smugly stuck my tongue out at the haters, 
one about my queer kid business. I think about this experience and feel a comforting warmth inside. Being queer when I was a kid had a different shape than being a queer at any other time in my life. It was not defined by sexuality, but lent itself to confusing feelings towards my friends at sleepovers and the rage I carried about being disallowed to be a boy. Its shape shifted when I was 15 when football players were beating me up by the lockers for munching carpet. Later that year, being queer was a painful shape when my mother outed me by presenting me with the rolled-up, printed-out AOL history revealing my web browsing of gay.com. It morphed again at 19 when I was locked into an abusive lesbian relationship with a woman who hated trans people and beat me up in my mother's house for organizing and performing in drag shows. Then at 22... It was an awkward shape as I feared for my safety in Texas while simultaneously being used by straight women to figure out if they were lesbians. Being queer is a shape I can't hide. It orbits me and is born of me. It's often lonely and isolating. It's glittery, juicy, and clever. It's all I know. It defines my perspective when I open my eyes and take in the world around me. It leads me to the gayborhoods wherever I go instead of anywhere else. As a queer, I find joy in the fabulosity I contain. I also carry scars of abuse and abandonment. I don't think one needs to experience traumatic events to be queer, but I do think that if you have felt the struggle and fear that accompanies it, you value it as a core component to your identity. I never tried being queer, I just am. Back in the day, being called queer was only derogatory. There was no reclamation of such a term. And older gay folks still don't appreciate that we're using it and reclaiming it because it has hurt them so. To reclaim queer, you must understand that it isn't flippant. It's militant. It's pain being slapped back at the dominant paradigm. It's claimed with a feeling of reverence and respect for Sylvia, Marcia, Divine, and all those who had to be queer during times of turbulent change to make it so that we can do what we do. We are queer because we are. We cannot change it. We cannot hide it. And even in the darkest hour, we don't want to hide it because it's beautiful. I ask those who can see this to see that we are professional, ass-eating, cunt-bumping, sounding, dick-sucking, fisting, flamboyant, butch-femme, sassy, beautiful people. I was proud to figure out the word queer was meant for me that day in second grade. I had no idea that it was wielded to hurt at times, to isolate, to make fun, to incite violence. I had no idea it meant I'd have a delicious desire for others of my gender and of any, all, and no gender. I had no idea that it meant that it validated my knowledge of being a boy. All I knew is that it meant weird. No one else claimed it, and it was all mine. That's it today for Queer Story Podcast. Again, my name's Oso, and happy Pride Month. I'm so glad that you tuned in. If you have any questions, comments, or interest in being on the show, hit me up. Queerstorypodcast at gmail.com, queerstorypodcast at Twitter and Tumblr. Be well and take care of each other.